supernatural is awesome. Hey, seven years ago on January 15th, seven years ago on 2009, uh, Captain Chesney was getting ready to board his flight and uh, do all the pre-flight checks and was uh, heading from LaGuardia, going to go to North Carolina, to Charlotte. And all the passengers were on board. It was about 3.15 in the afternoon. And just a few minutes after takeoff, flying over uh, New York City, they flew into a flock of Canada geese completely disabling all the engines, no power whatsoever. And so as uh, Captain Chesney was uh, radioing the, the tower and asking for clearance in any other you know, runways and any other airports, quickly realized that they weren't going to make it. There was just no way without any power that they were going to make it that far. And so Captain Chesney Sullenberger, who we all got to know as Sully, <laughs> Sully Sullenberger, made that decision to land the airplane on the Hudson River in January in New York. This was the only hope, but the odds against that were pretty steep. And to all of our amazement, to everyone's surprise, right, the plane landed and all 150 passengers and five crew were there. They're getting out of the plane, if you remember that scene, right? And what do we call this story? What has it become known as? The Miracle on the Hudson. The miracle on the Hudson, the unbelievable story that everyone survived and was able to be rescued. And you go, what are the odds of that happening? How can that be? Do you believe in miracles? Do you remember where that phrase came from, too? Made popular by Al Michaels in 1980. Watch if you, whoever watched the Olympics back then, Winter Olympics, the U.S. hockey team was uh, against all odds against the, the Russian powerhouse. They beat them four to three to advance to the, to the, the, the medal round. And in that moment, as they were celebrating, Al Michaels, right, was, do you believe in miracles? <laughs> do you believe in miracles? Now, I don't know if this fits in the category of how you see miracles, but do you believe in miracles that the supernatural can happen? Today, we're going to be in part two of our supernatural series talking about supernatural power. The impossible, possible. Do you believe in miracles? We're going to look today at, at what, what are miracles and, and what's the purpose of miracles. How do we deal with our, our skepticism? How do we look for miracles? How can God open our eyes to miracles? We're going to dive into that today. So I hope you're ready for that. You, you, you want a miracle? You need a miracle? We need miracles. We want the supernatural in our lives. And that's what this series is about. Supernatural. We began last week just re reminding us that, as one author put it, that the supernatural is our birthright as followers of Christ. As the church, this is what we're about, the supernatural power that is available to us. We talked about all throughout Scripture, we see God's hand at work in amazing ways. And as we begin this new year, my desire for us as a church, for us as individuals, that we would experience God's supernatural power. I know we all long and, and, and do things in the natural that move our life forward. We set goals, we have, we have you know, expectations, we, we've developed new habits, and in the natural, we're able to accomplish some pretty great things, and that's awesome. Keep doing that. But I long for the supernatural. I believe that God wants to do something more. And so we've been looking at a, a verse that, that's Ephesians chapter 3.20. How many of you have memorized it since last week? This is a verse that I want you to memorize. I want you to learn. And if you're looking for a verse this year, make this your verse. Ephesians 3.20, we introduced it last week, and uh, on, on Monday I walked into Pastor Diane's office, and she got some brownie points. She wrote it on her whiteboard right across from her, her desk, and so, so she sees it. But, but here's the scripture, right? Now all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power at work in us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. 
Now let's say that together. Let's say it together. Say it like you mean it this year, and this is a, a prayer that you have towards God. You say, now all glory to God. This means together. Let's try it again. Now all, uh, online too. Wait, wait, I didn't hear the people online. I didn't hear the people. All right, make sure they're all watching as well. All right. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Right, let's hold on to that. And this is that, that, that infinitely more, right? That God could do more, immeasurably more, abundantly more, exceedingly more, as some of the other translations in Scripture would say. Trying to capture this idea that it's more than we can imagine. We want God to work in those ways, and that's what we are longing for. And so in this context of the supernatural, God working in this world, we want to talk about miracles. Do they still happen today? Do we still experience miracles? What about like the miracle on the Hudson? Well, we had one this week. Do you remember on Tuesday in Philadelphia, a helicopter carrying four, uh, some crew and a two-month-old baby, a medical helicopter crashed, and they avoided the, the, the pilot avoided the power lines and even just cra- came crashing right near the, by the church, and everyone survived. And when, when the fire chief was asked about this situation, you know what he said? It can only be described as a miracle. A miracle. Are these miracles still happening all around us? What is a miracle? How do we define if something's a miracle or if it's mere coincidence? What is a miracle? So as we look at a miracle, the, the definition of a miracle, and, and uh, J.P. Moreland, he's a, he's a professor, he's an author, he's a theologian, um, and actually this week I came across this book, a Simple Guide to Experiencing Miracles. It was just written last week last uh, year. I would recommend it to you and just started reading it, but he describes a miracle as um, a supernatural intervention into the course of natural events, either by God or an angelic being. A supernatural intervention into the course of human affairs. All right, so God, the supernatural being involved. The word miracle comes from the Latin miraculum, and even its, its equivalent in the Greek really conjures up that word wonder. It sparks a wonder. It sparks an amazement, something that, that can't be explained in our natural world, the, the supernatural reaching in. I've got a definition for you today that I want us to hold on to for what a miracle is, and I've got it in three words for you, and that is, wow, only God. All right, that's the definition that's a little bit easier to remember. Wow, only God. Not, not even a, a word that's more than four letters in that, okay? But it's these moments that we come to, these times in our life where we step out and we say, our, our minds are blown. There's something that we see that can't be explained. Wow, and it can only be explained. We go, only God. How can this happen? This can only happen by God's hand. Now, we see a lot of things in this world, and you might say, you know, how do we know if it's coincidence or if it's truly a miracle? One of the lenses that, that uh, Dr. Moreland said is there's two criteria that he sees for a miracle. He says, one, it needs to be highly improbable, and two, highly specialized or specific. So just something being highly improbable doesn't make it a miracle. That could just be a coincidence. For example, this summer, uh, we were traveling with our family. We did an out west uh, trip, and we spent some time uh, in Colorado. We went to Colorado Springs, and we decided to drive up to the top of Pikes Peak, you know, that long, windy road all the way up to the top. The uh, visitor center up top was, uh, you couldn't park up there, so you had to park at another lot just before the top, and then they shuttled you up to the top. So we got out at the, at the parking lot and stepped up to the, the line for the shuttle. And in front of us, there was a group of uh, 20-something guys that were, you know, that were going to the top of Pikes Peak. And my wife, uh, Shannon, leans over to me. She goes, is that Caleb? And I was like, 
well, that can't be Caleb. Caleb is, uh, is Caleb's my nephew, and he works in Germany. Um, and so that would be really odd. And then I looked a little closer, and I said, Caleb? And he turned around, and it was Caleb. <laughs> it was my nephew there at the top of Pike's Peak. And you kind of go, what are the odds? This is crazy. What, he didn't know that we were taking a vacation. I hadn't communicated to him. I didn't know. And, and there we are at the top. We could have probably not even coordinated it that well. And now, was that a miracle? No, I wouldn't say that's a miracle. I would say that's, a, that's a, an amazing coincidence. You know, it's, it, as far as the probability, it is just as probable that the people behind me in line that I didn't know, that our lives would intersect, that I would meet them, is just the same probability as meeting my nephew. But there is something unique about that, that it was him, right? But it, it wasn't a miracle in the sense that I didn't seek God in a moment. I didn't ask. I didn't have to meet Caleb for something amazing to, to take place in my life. I, I didn't need to reconcile with him in some way and haven't had a chance to connect with him. And so God put us together up there. Still a cool story, but I wouldn't necessarily say that's, that's a miracle. I can kind of go, God, that's kind of cool that that happened. I don't have to be like, take it out of the realm of, of that uh, space. But for it to be highly specific, too, to accomplish something, to, to be unique in a way that has to happen in that way. So in, in the beginning of his book, uh, Dr. Moreland shares the story of a, uh, of a couple Christians that were driving in a remote region in Iran. And uh, they were in the mountains of Iran, and they were delivering Bibles somewhere. And as they're driving along, their car breaks down, the steering wheel locks up, and the car goes to the side of the road, and they were stuck. No sooner were they stuck, and there's a knock on their window, and an old man, this old villager, asks them, where are the books? And they were confused, and they're saying, what books? And he said, the book's about Jesus. <laughs> so again, they're confused. They find out more of the story, and, and the old man says, well, back in, uh, in, in my village, Jesus, uh, we, we saw a vision of Jesus, and and." He taught us, told us who he was, and it wasn't just me. It was multiples of our villagers, and we have put our faith in Jesus. But we don't know what else to do. And he said, and so I had this village of people who believe in Jesus, but we don't know much more about who he is. He said, I had another vision, and, and, and Jesus told me that I should go off the mountain and walk to the road and wait there for a book about Jesus. And so he said, I got up today. And I walked down, and I picked the spot on the road, and here you are, a book about Jesus of Bibles in their own language. Now I know, some of you, you're wondering, is this really, did, did that really happen? I mean, is there some embellishment? Is there something going on there? I mean, I, I don't know, it's pretty crazy, right? I mean, it definitely would fall in the category of miracle, right? Like, Wow. Only God. I mean, how does that happen? And, and there's the, the author who actually told the story is Joel Rosenberg. He's a New York Times best-selling author who's, who's a, an expert in Middle Eastern affairs. He's been studying about uh, people becoming followers of Jesus in, in the Muslim world. And he tells the story and has done research on that. And you kind of go, okay, well, do I believe? Do you believe that this story really happened? Is it a coincidence or is it a miracle? And so we want to look at miracles. How do miracles happen? Because miracles, uh, but, but before we get into that, miracles put us in an in a interesting position. Yeah, do you believe it or not? And sometimes we think it's one or the other. If somebody tells you a, a fanciful story or something that they say miraculous happened in their life or an incredible healing or an amazing situation of God providing, I don't know, maybe, I'll, t I'll just be honest, I, I tend to lean more on the skeptic side naturally. And there's a part of me that like wants to believe, and, and I'm listening, and as a pastor over many years, I've been told all kinds of interesting, sometimes very crazy and hard-to-believe stories. 
And that sometimes you step back and go, is there an exaggeration there? Could that be explained in some other way? And, and maybe you feel that way naturally, that you feel like you have to either believe it all or nothing, but that's not our only choice. Miracles aren't all about believing him fully or not. And actually, miracles in the Bible weren't even about putting your faith in Jesus. Do you think that if we saw Jesus do a miracle here today that we would put our faith in him? We'd like to think we would, right? But we have examples in scriptures of Jesus doing miracles and people didn't believe in Jesus. People, the miracle doesn't necessarily mean you have to believe or not, but what miracles can do, even if you're a skeptic or, 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 or struggling, is to at least allow you to step back and let your mind be open to the wonder of God. That there are things that can't be explained, that things that, that, that maybe you just say, maybe it is God. Wow. And the curiosity that can emerge and that the awareness that there's something more going on. And I've learned over time, too, to, to go to just step back. And even in times that I can't explain it or where my skeptic mind wants to jump in and just say, wow, only God. And I'd love to hear some more of the stories of things that you're experiencing because we need to hear from one another. Now, the reality is in surveys of America that Americans largely do believe that miracles are probably happen or definitely happen, almost 80%. So there's a sense that, that there is something more going on and whether or not they would attribute those to God or something, but mir miracles as in the unexplainable happening. And there's other statistics that say that, that, say that um, where is it here, about 55% of Americans believe they have been protected from harm by a guardian angel. And about another quarter have witnessed a miraculous or physical healing. So these times where we, we're in situations that we can't explain, where we step back and say, man, that, that had to have been, been God. It was, uh, it was in 2013, our family was living in, in Arizona, and we decided to take our young girls and a friend of ours with us to, to go to, to Disneyland. And so from Phoenix, to, um, from Phoenix to Anaheim, about six, seven hours, depending on traffic, you know, all that. And so we, we were heading out, we loaded up the van, and we're going out on, on Interstate, what was it, is it the I-10 that we were going out that way? And, uh, and so once you leave Phoenix, there's a lot of desert between Phoenix and, um, and before you get into California, right? And, and so there's this highway, it's, it's, it's fairly well traveled in, in that connection. And so we're moving along, we, we, we get through Phoenix, we're on the other side of Phoenix, we're about an hour and a half out in the middle of nowhere. We're cruising along in the fast lane, speed limits out west are like 75 miles an hour, right? And so everybody's going like 85, 90, you know, like cruising along, flying. We're going, because you got to get to Disneyland, you got to get there fast. And so we're flying, and all of a sudden I'm giving gas, and, and the engine's like not like kind of keeping up, and it's starting to rev higher, and I'm going, hon, I think I'm losing power, something's not right. And, uh, and warning lights start going on, and I'm, I start pulling over in the other lane. We're looking on our GPS and, and, and trying to see, can we get, you know, where can we even pull out? And there is nothing. There's no exit for miles. And so I'm trying to baby the van along with as little power as, as possible. And finally, we get to the point where there's nothing left. I'm coasting. And so we got to a place where we could pull over. There was an overpass, no exit, but we could get it in the shade uh, out of the hot Phoenix sun. And there we are in the desert, in the middle of the nowhere, we have uh, a barely could get cell reception. We didn't know how many hours we would be out there. The kids are starting to get antsy and, and, and uh, wanting to, to go out and play, and there's nowhere to play. We're on the side of a highway. We're in the desert. It's hot out. So we let them unbuckle. We open the door, and we're waiting. We're making phone calls. I pop the, the hood up of, the, of our car. You, you see it there under the, under the um, overpass, and, uh, and, and we're waiting. 
And so as we're waiting, we're trying to deal uh, with, with the phone, I hear, and we all hear, the most wretched, horrific, screeching, awful sound that just shocked all of us. We couldn't even, we could barely react. I tried to turn to, to where it was coming from. Shannon could see it, and there is a pickup truck hurling directly at us out of control. And as it comes by us, you'll see in this next picture, there it is on the left, it just tumbled over and over and then landed on its side. Our hearts are pounding. We're just, first of all, okay, I'm still alive, looking around in the car, is everyone okay? And then looking up and seeing this, this truck and going, oh man, what am I going to see when I go out there? I'm, the, I'm on the scene already, I'm here. So I jump out, I run towards the, the pickup truck, afraid of what I'm going to see, and from inside, the door opens up and the guy gets out, hardly a scratch on him. Unbelievable. Nobody injured, nobody hurt, crazy. I, I walk back to the car, and here's what I see, and I took a picture of it. Look at those skid marks. Yeah, car going about 75, 85 mile an hour, out of control. That's only about a foot and a half or so from the front of my car. And you know there's, this, there's parts of a truck before and after the wheel, whether it was the front tires or the back. I don't know how it didn't miss us. Had it hit us, it would have been ugly. It had been really ugly. And it was one of those reminders where we just thank God and go, wow, only God. Only God, a miracle that we feel in our life that we have experienced. And then through a lot of crazy circumstances, I could tell you the story another day, probably don't even have time in a sermon, but we were determined to make it to Disneyland. And so we, were, we, we, we took this picture the, the, very, the very next day. And uh, you might not recognize our girls at that size uh, very well, but that was us back in the day. So, I mean, an amazing, amazing story. We go, God, wow. Wow, only God. What do we do with miracles? What place do they have in our lives? Do you experience? Well, I want to look at a miracle in Scripture, and there are so many that we can look at. From the parting of the Red Sea to, to God providing manna from heaven and, and water out of a rock to Jesus walking on water to the dead being raised. And we're going to look at some over the next several weeks. But today I want to focus on this one here for a little bit. Jesus calms the storm. Let's look at Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. I want to read the story and then we'll... Break it apart a little bit. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High winds were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat, and his head was on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence! Be still! Suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. Then he asked him, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. It's a great Sunday school story, right? A great children's story. Jesus calming the wind and the waves. But do we today, in this day and age, and in modern America in 2022, believe that this happened? That a man named Jesus was, was standing on a boat and he spoke to the wind and the waves and they stopped. And so it challenges us to think in the supernatural. Was this something that only happened back then? Can it still happen today? Well, let's, let's look at the story. A storm came up. These were experienced fishermen, right? They spent their lives on the, on the sea. They, they had their boats. They knew their boats. They knew how to survive. 
and they come to a place where they are just overwhelmed by a storm. A storm, there's nothing more natural than a storm, right? The natural world. Storms happen. A snowstorm might come this way. We might get it. It might not. We might be stranded. Who knows, right? Weather happens. Nature happens. The natural things in this world, they're created by God as well. And we are part of the natural world. And the disciples and Jesus right now, they're part of the natural world. A fierce storm is coming. And it's getting to the place where, where they don't know what to do. And there is Jesus sleeping on his my pillow at the front of the boat. <laughs> right? It's getting a good night's rest. And you're going, how can Jesus be asleep? We're in a dire situation. There's a storm raging around us. But we go through our life and it feels like God is absent, right? We're in a storm. We're going through something difficult. We need some, some intervention in this natural world. We're, it's beyond what we can do, but God seems to be absent. God seems to be distant or uninterested or not involved, and so they cry out to them and say, teacher, don't you even care that we are going to drown? These fishermen, right, they, they, I don't think this was their first reaction. They were like, we got this. They knew the water. They knew the ocean, the, the seas, right? They were familiar with it. Their first reaction wasn't, we're going to drown. This had to be pretty bad. But they got to a point where they realized no matter what skill they had, no, ma no matter what ability they had, they weren't going to be able to make it. They were going to drown. The waves were coming in. So when they cry out to Jesus, I don't think they were just asking for a natural intervention. Like, Jesus, we need another guy rowing, right? Jesus, grab an oar and do your part. Here's a bucket, Jesus. Start bailing. Go fix the net, Jesus, right? They weren't, I don't think, asking for a natural intervention. They were looking for a supernatural inter intervention. Jesus, we're going to die unless you step in and you do something. Jesus steps in. says, when he awoke, he rebuked the wind and said to the water, Silence. Be still. Quiet. And I think about this moment, and I go, I can't even get my dog to listen to me at times. <laughs> I mean, he's talking to the wind and the waves, right? I mean, where, where does this come from? And I, and I think, how does, how does nature listen to the Son of God? Well, I wonder if it harkens back to going, ah, I know that voice, that, that the wind and the waves knowing back at creation, when God created, when Jesus was there and he said, he separated the land and the sea, and he said to the sea, you can go no further. Here's the land. You stop. And that same God that created now speaks to the wind and to the waves, to the natural world, as though it's talking to another person. I think about our lives, and I think about the storms we're in, the situations we go through, and to know that God can speak to that very crisis that you are in that it has to obey, that it has to listen to, that it has to submit to the authority and the power of God. And so either Jesus is absolutely a lunatic or he's the son of God. He's either crazy. I mean, who's this guy who's like, oh, be still, be calm, wind and waves. I mean, if any of us do that, people would be like, what, you are nuts. Get back in the boat and start rowing, right? Like, but there's something about Jesus. And as the story recounts, the wind and the waves were quiet. The wind stopped. Obedience was there. It is undeniably a miracle that took place in that moment. It's amazing to me how in, in, in our world, and I think about Hollywood, and I think about television, and I think about movies, we are fascinated with the supernatural. Our world is fascinating. I mean, think about Marvel comics, right? All the Marvel movies and Star Wars, and you just, you just go on and on. We are fascinated with, with a world where there would be supernatural power, 
where things from outside of our context could intervene and, and twist time and, and fade and, and, and have all this ability to change the course of human events. And, and we, we love it, we dive into it, we escape in it, but then when we have the reality of Jesus and the, the scripture in front of us where we see there truly is that power available. There is truly times where we see God intervening in these supernatural ways. I wonder, why do we miss it? And the supernatural, you know, Jesus has these abilities to speak to our biggest obstacle and biggest challenge. Now, some of us might say, well, if he can, why doesn't God always provide a miracle? Why God, doesn't God always provide a miracle? I wish I had definitive answers for you today. I think there are different reasons we can look at. But I would, one thing I would say, if God always did a miracle, it would no longer be a miracle, for one, right? Then that would just be the normal order of the natural world is just that that's how it works and we never have to deal with difficulty and hardships and, and whatnot. So there's a part of me that miracles are just a way for us to see, wow, to have our minds stretched and to see what God can do. But why doesn't he always perform the miracle? Why, if he could, why doesn't he? Well, there's a, there's a passage, a story in scripture where Jesus is back in his hometown in Nazareth. And you know, if you, I don't know if you've ever gone to your hometown and maybe you've accomplished something in your life and you're different than you were and you come back home and they just always see you like you were. Like, still sometimes I come back to my, my aunts and uncles and they're like, my, Mark, have you grown since the last time I've seen you? I'm like, no, haven't grown in about 30 years, 35 years. But you know, sometimes they have a hard time not seeing you still as they did. And, and, and they, they couldn't see Jesus different than maybe just the, the carpenter's son. And they didn't believe in him. They heard about the miracles and the stories and they, 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 they didn't see him in that way. And here's what it says in Mark chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them, which I think is still pretty cool. <laughs> and he was amazed at their unbelief. You see, I don't think just having belief and faith guarantees a miracle, but I think if we want to experience a miracle, God is looking for us to demonstrate faith. It doesn't guarantee it, but it creates the environment and the space and the place for God to show himself and to move among us. And, you know, maybe miracles just don't happen because it's not what's best for us. Because God knows we may be wanting something that isn't in his plan, that isn't what's best for us. So miracles don't always happen, but, but we see that they can happen and that God can move among us. And ultimately, just like Jesus said, there's not, you don't have faith, there isn't belief. What does he say here in verse 40? He says, why are you so afraid? Do you still not have faith in me? Why are we afraid? Why are we afraid to believe miracles? Why are we afraid of the situations in our life? When we know that Christ can, can and does and is, is there for us. I was thinking about this and I thought, well, what's the worst that can happen? Why are we so afraid? I, I see three options. Let's say we're in a life and death situation. One, um, the worst thing is we die, but then we go to be with him. So if you're a follower of Christ, is that the worst thing? That God doesn't intervene and save us from death. We get to be with him. Really, that's probably better. And ultimately, if he does save us, he saved Lazarus. What's still, do you guys, have you guys seen Lazarus lately? I think he died too. Eventually, we all die, right? So even if he doesn't save us, we get to be with him. Two, I, the other option is we're fully rescued, right? And all of a sudden, we can give glory to God. He rescued me, so that's a great thing. A miracle happens, and that's what we want. We want to be able to say, now glory to God. Look what he did. He protected us. He saved us, like the story that I got to share. Or he doesn't intervene. We don't die. We don't get saved, but we go through a difficult time but as a follower of Christ, we go through a difficult time with him. 
Those are the only three options that I really see, and, and none of them are horrible options. Now, we don't want the hard option to go through with him. We don't want the one where the, the, we die, but those are all ways in which God is still present. God is still working. God is still moving. Why are you so afraid, he asked. Why do you have so little faith? Have faith. Put that hope, put that trust in him. And ultimately, when we have that hope, that's what, when we put that trust, we have hope. I mean, that's what I love about the, that's the beauty of miracles, that, that if we live in a world where we think there is no such thing as supernatural intervention, and we have no hope, and we have nothing in our world, what is it? That, that's all there is. The story of the, of the disciples in the boat ends with, there was a fierce storm, and they cried out and thought they were going to drown, and probably the next thing is they drown. But when we have hope, even in our most difficult circumstances, we call out to God and say, help, God, help. And either he comes and help, or he's with us through the difficulty. And then it ends, and it says in verse 41, in a different translation too, it says, one says they were terrified, another one says they were filled with awe. They were terrified at God's power, at Jesus' amazing ability in a way that was just like, wow, awe and wonder. And that's what happens when we experience, we open our eyes to see what God does around us. We begin to see there's more to this world than what's in front of us. And what's the declaration they made at the end? Who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? ultimately we're faced with this, this, this reality. Do we put our hope and our faith in Christ? Who is this man? And either he's crazy or this is true. And God can intervene through his son Jesus Christ in powerful ways in this world. And we step back and our minds are blown like the disciples and we go, wow, only, only God, only God could do that. And so we see this, this, the miracles. Miracles in, in scripture also talks about as signs and wonders. What's a sign? It points us towards something. When we see beyond our world, and I hope that we can see and begin to realize there is a supernatural reality among us. So what do we do with this? Just today, introducing ourselves to these miracles, there's, there's four quick points I want to make here out of, out of this story and what we've been talking about. The first is this. Know that Jesus is in the boat with you. That's the first thing. Just know that Jesus is in the boat with you. What's the boat? We're, the boat we're in together is Meadow Park Church. The boat you're in is your marriage. The boat you're in is your family. The boat that he's in with you is in your work and your job and your school situation. That's the boat. Jesus is there with you. So first, hold on to that. That when life is beyond what you can control, that he is there. Now, he, you may feel like he's distant or there's a time in life where he feels like God's just allowing things to happen. Well, that's still part of his created order. That's still part of his plan. But know that God is there. And if you know that too, don't hesitate to ask God for a miracle. I think we hesitate to ask God for a miracle because we don't want to be disappointed. Right? If I pray for a miracle, as a pastor, I get asked to pray for people all the time. And I got to tell you, there's times where I'm like, I want to pray for the miracle, but I don't want to pray for a miracle. And then if that, the miracle doesn't happen, and then is it going to make people think that God didn't intervene and didn't move? We're going to talk more about prayer in the weeks to come, too, so we'll get into that. But, but we need to have more courage to ask and to pray for miracles, for God to do something when we can't, when we're at our end. In Luke 18, Jesus himself said, what is impossible for people is possible with God. So when we come to impossible situations, we have an ace up our sleeve. Right? We have the supernatural. We have Jesus. We have God that we can call and say, God, this is impossible. I don't know if you're going to end up moving in this situation. I don't know if this is your will. But if, if it's up to me, this is impossible. It's not going to go any further. We call out to God, and we don't hesitate to ask for a miracle. That is a source of hope that God can change it. So the third is this, then. Have faith and believe that God can. 
right? Not just the, I mean, uh, partly praying for a miracle is already uh, implies this, but that we really believe, God, you can. You absolutely can. I have faith and believe in you that you are the one that when you speak to the wind and the waves, they must be still. God, I believe you can intervene. There's uh, Michael Todd. He's a, he's a pastor, and he wrote a book, Crazy Faith, which is another great, great read if you want to read one. And uh, he says, instead of asking why not, uh, why me, why not ask why not me, right? Instead of saying, well, you know, why me? God wouldn't do a miracle for me. God wouldn't guide me or show me. Why not me? Why not Meadow Park Church? And his book, Crazy Faith, his tagline is, it's only crazy until it happens, <laughs> Right? It's only crazy that we ask for something, we pray for something until it happens, and then we begin to see that God is able. We have the faith to believe that God can and does work. And the fourth is this, and this is probably one of the main things I want us to take away from today. Develop eyes to see and ears to hear God working all around you. To become more aware of the supernatural that is happening all around us in, in, our, in our daily lives. That, that we begin to have eyes to see it and go, this is God working. This is God moving in some amazing ways. John Piper, when he talks about miracles, he says, there are less in biblical times than we think and more around the world today than we are aware of. In the Bible, there's really only about two, three periods, about three periods where, there's, where miracles happen, and a, a lot of miracles happen in about these 60-year time spans. Sometimes we think the Bible is full of miracles, but when you think about the history of the Bible, how many years it covers, there are periods where we don't see the miracles or have, at least were not recorded in Scripture for us. But when, the, when we see a global perspective, and if you start researching miracles and books on miracles and people trying to, to document and see what happens, there are more amazing things happening in the world today than we're aware of. We need to keep our eyes open. And, and to quote the great theologian Albert Einstein, Here's what he says. There are two ways to live your life. One is as though nothing is a miracle. The other is as though everything is a miracle. This is a scientific mind. Quantum physics. Understanding all those. And what does he say? Live in a way that everything is a miracle. Now that might be a broader definition of miracle. But what he's saying is even the natural world that we observe. The things that we see when we understand the creator behind that. We begin to see the amazing, miraculous presence of God all around us. Now, just as a side note here, uh, maybe a warning or a caution, maybe better, the preoccupation with miracles. That we don't get into a place in space where it's all about miracles. All we ever pray for is miracles. Miracles, 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 miracles. The problem is, when we get to that place, that what can easily happen is we start seeing miracles as shortcuts. Miracles the shortcut. You know, God has given us gifts. He's given us abilities. He's given us a sharp mind. He's given us skills and talents. And there might be things that we need to do. That God says, I'm not going to do a miracle. You get about it. I've given you what you can do about that. Now, go reconcile your marriage. I'm not just going to sit by. Go and do it. Go have that conversation. Go get to work. Whatever it is, you know. You pray for me to provide. Get off your duff and do something, right? I mean, God might be saying, I I'm, I'm willing. But when we hit some impossible situations, miracles are not a shortcut for those things. Miracles are not a shortcut for the church to skirt our responsibility with what God's called us to do. Lord, pray and help our community. Pray and help that person. Well, maybe that's what we ought to be doing. Maybe God's saying, all right, I've already provided for you to do that. I remember being on a mission trip uh, in Mexico. I was a seminary student. And on that Sunday, we were in church. And, um, and at the end of the service, it was all done in, in Spanish. They had a time of praying and, and, and praying for people. 
And the person said, you know, so-and-so in the congregation, this family, they had somebody break in um, last night, and they were robbed, and their savings were stolen, and they said how many pesos it was, and said, we just want to pray for, for this man and his family. And so as we were praying, I started doing math in my head as far as what were these pesos, and I think it came out to be like 40 bucks. I mean, that was the savings. That was a 40 bucks. And here I am, a seminary student, not of great means by any stretch of the imagination, but I had $40 in my wallet. And so I'm like, I can be the answer to this man's prayer. And I got the privilege in that moment to just see afterward and just say, God prompted me to give you the, this money. And, and, and I think it's one of those moments where not maybe from his perspective, it was a miracle. But also from my perspective, it wasn't just praying for that. It was, I could do something about that. And there are times we need to do something and not just pray for a miracle, help that man. Maybe that's my responsibility to help that, that man to do that. And as I mentioned earlier, maybe one reason when we get preoccupied with miracles is we're not willing to endure the challenges that God has for us, that he uses to build us, to grow us, the difficult times. And I think really that, that, that more times than not, God wants to take us through a difficulty and not out of it. And so that doesn't mean we shouldn't pray again for God's intervention, for God's guidance, and for God to break through. But those are just some cautions that we don't get preoccupied with miracles out of our normal world. But when we look at miracles, we step back and just go, wow, only God. And I believe a world is looking to us, is looking to the church, is looking into our lives and saying, is there something more? Is there something more than just what we see at work every day and on television every day and in our schools and in our homes? Like, is there more? Is God alive? And you know what is one of the most amazing miracles, the most amazing miracle, is a changed life, is a transformed life that, is, that understands the divine, that has a relationship with our creator. And when we have that relationship and when our world opens up and we see that there is more than what meets the eye and that the impossible is possible, begins to change us, it begins to change the world around us, and people go, wow, only God. I don't know where you are today as, as you approach miracles, as you think about God. I mean, just giving your life to Christ, opening your heart to him, that is a, that's a belief in a miracle, that there's a God who created you, who loves you, who died on a cross for you, who promises you eternal life. To be born again, to be born new, is an amazing miracle of change, life, and transformation. And when we hear those stories, we go, wow, only God. And I pray that God is writing that story in you today. And I pray that as people look at our church, as people look at Meadow Park and hear our stories of what happens in this place, what happens outside these walls, that people would say, wow, only God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we open our hearts to you today. And Father, we... We just ask you, God, in, in times where we just need your miraculous intervention, God, that we would call out to you, that we would ask for you to, to intervene in amazing ways. God, I don't know what situation someone here today or listening online is, is, is dealing with. And God, we pray for a miracle. We pray for your intervention. God, we, we pray that, that you would move in ways that we can't explain, but that could only be attributed to you that all glory would now go to you, God, because you are able through your mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. And Father, if there are any today that don't have a relationship with you, God, that they would step out of the natural world and into the space of the supernatural God where you live, where your Holy Spirit moves and changes hearts and lives now and for all eternity. God, we pray for a new beginning 
and we give you thanks that you are still working and you are still moving and you are still accomplishing amazing things in this world through your presence. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.